ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. The Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. How's it going, Todd? Good, Jeremy. How about you? Oh, I'm doing really good. Really good in spite of things. <laughs> yeah. World's gone to poop. Yeah. Yeah, we got but, like... hey, you know, we've had a lot of dark episodes here lately. That's right. Let's try to keep this one upbeat. Yeah. I found... I found... Keep all six listeners. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 funny. Um <clears throat> We've gone like we've got like more lockdowns, blah blah blah, restrictions and stuff. But honestly, I I'm feeling like more optimistic and stoked and excited about things that I have for a long time. It's good we got kind of finished up with a big Mother's Day rush, but not as bad as last year, you know, with the the Etsy stuff. And so that was good. It was busy, like it was like ten hours a day, but it wasn't fourteen or sixteen. So we kind of enjoyed it a little more this year. And so that's just wrapping up. I'm actually. I've got, I don't know, maybe another hour to do today after we hang up here. And then I'll be putting my garage back to knife making mode and, you know, be able to park vehicles inside again. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Wow. 10 hours a day. And it's not even a, it wasn't even a busy season. No. That's crazy. Yeah. No, I think that's because of the fact that I think like in, in the U.S., a lot of more things are open. So, you know, last year was just phenomenal because of the, pandemic right people there's a lot of shops that weren't open and so everybody i think we're kind of forced a lot of people were forced to shop online for presents for mother's day and so to ching to ching to ching you know but i think that's kind of disappearing a bit which is good because it was honest it was way too much this was manageable uh this was the point i think there's only one night when i worked till like nine o'clock the rest of the nights i mean i was done by six or seven so that's oh i like that that's great and you know uh i don't know how true it is but overall but I was um, reading something this week that uh, some folks that are uh, that have Etsy shops are leaving Etsy because it just became oversaturated during the COVID pandemic because people were working from home more. So oh, everybody started sense. a freaking Etsy shop. Ah, I never even thought about that. That's and, actually a very good point. Um, yeah, one guy is. Oh God! What did he do? It, you know those fake uh, quote air quotes fake um, Damascus billet people on Etsy. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen them, but I've I've heard people talk about them. <laughs> you know, they just buy just blocks of I mean pallets of Chinese Chineseium uh, billets. You know, uh, yeah. Damascus billet, pre-made, yeah. and then sell them like they made them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of those guys complaining, and he was just getting shredded. No, that's uh, uh, by you know just the good trolls um, defending real knife makers. Uh, he just guy was just like you know, I can't repeat a lot of the comments yeah, that he yeah. was getting, but I mean they were inviting him to you know tie a rope in a certain way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
You know what I always wanted to do? I thought this would be so fun. Just for the, I, I think you get a lot of views and you get tons of hate and lose subscribers. But if you did a mono steel knife and then <laughs> just etched it to look like Damascus, like <laughs> like actually put a vinyl stencil oh over God. that was a really intricate pattern. Didn't Green Beetle do that? <laughs> I don't know. Early on, just to. Oh, Steve might have. Just to play with, I think it was a design. Yeah, he was trying so. to figure out a design. Yes, so you're that's right. how he did it to see what it would, instead of wasting Damascus and all the time it takes to make it, I'm just going to take 01 yes. and etch it. Um, I remember with seeing a vinyl that one. overlay. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny. It is. Yeah. Um, I like Steve. He's a good guy. I, he is hilarious, but he too has, is now changing. Um, and not in a bad way, you know, he's just evolving. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, he, you know, he doesn't take himself uh, as seriously as some people take themselves. So it's lighthearted, it's fun, it's awesome. And sometimes he just, hey, I'm going to make a video. Because he's a knife maker and whatever else he is, right? Mm -hmm. He owns an outdoor sporting goods store. And... You know, some of his YouTube stuff is just to have fun. Hey, I'm going to make a knife out, or out of nails and see yeah. if it works. It's just Fishing fun. Works. Yeah, yeah. You know, and half the stuff doesn't work right. and But he's saving you uh, the, the headache of trying to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, this isn't going to work, you know, because it's the wrong kind of steel. Yeah. Um, not and I think one time he showed, even though it's a good steel, you know, it's manufactured in a very quality manner. It's a good steel. Yes, yeah, a good steel is a bridge girder. Not necessarily is it going to be um, a good knife. Yeah. Because it's too hard. It's yeah. too brittle. It's too whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like his channel is kind of like, hey, I'm on a journey. I'm trying out this. I'm trying to learn knife making. You can come and learn along with me, you know. And I think those ones are very interesting because he doesn't he doesn't approach it like I'm an expert. I'm a master bladesmith. This is how I do it. It's like, hey, let's give this a try and see if it works. Why I not? Still, I can never remember this guy's name, but he's an older gentleman who's a knife maker for many, 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 many years. He was also on. Uh, Forge and Fire twice. Yeah. He's a guy that took a coffee break on uh, Forge and Fire, and they oh, okay. they laughed at him, and he's like, I'm old and I like coffee. You know, I'm taking a break. But didn't he um, lose? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he made it to the final, too. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, he's known for this particular kind of knife and a particular steel, right? Okay. Um, I ha actually have some of the steel in my workshop with two of his knives i mean oh, my well. garage in my bin of my storage containers of knives and uh, yeah. uh when i was first trying to find out how to contact this guy i actually made a comment on one of steve's nine uh early videos uh it wasn't even a new video i just commented on it oh man i wish i could find so-and-so hey this looks is a great knife it looks like it's in the style of that guy Wish I could find him. Steve actually put me in contact with him. Oh, wow. He doesn't know me from Adam. And he's like, hey, you know, I think I could put him in. Because it was his 
first interview on that other um that YouTube show he was doing interviewing knife makers. Yeah. It was his first or second interview on that. Oh, okay. Um oh, you know what that reminds me? He emailed me a list of questions and I was supposed to answer them for him, but I never ever got around to it. Uh <laughs> it could have been a simple little life. Yeah. Oh well. You hate talking about yourself. Yeah, Steve, I'm sorry if you're listening. I apologize. I caught me at a bad time, you know. <laughs> Probably didn't. It just my excuse for everything. <laughs> oh, now's not a good time. Now's not a good time. I'm busy. <laughs> but I uh, contacted the guy. I said, hey, do you have any knives for sale? You know, kind of introduced myself in the email and uh, answered right away. Oh, yeah, you know, sent me pictures of uh, three available knives. I bought two of them, and oh, wow. he actually sent me, um, I don't know, five or six rounds of this old super steel he has that he uses. Um, huh. That he had got a chance to buy a bunch of it years, you know, decades ago. Yep. And uh, yeah, he sent me like five or six of them. Oh wow! And, that's cool. Uh, he's like, hey, you know, if you get around to making a knife, try this. Um, it's you know awesome and showed me some at-home secret sauce for uh, heat treating it. Hmm. That's cool. I think what it really boils down to is, you know, get it to the right temperature, quench it in oil, and then uh, oh, the word jumped right out of my head. Temper it back. Yeah. Yeah. But he had, you know, he talked about some other things like uh, <clears throat> don't temper it in open air. Mm. Uh, temper it in a heat treating oven. Uh, you know how you do uh, little screws? You heat treat them in uh, uh, brass shavings. Never heard of that. Yeah, that's how they get the beautiful uh, blue color on. Uh, Click spring does it with his tiny little screws that he color case hardens. Huh. But I temper, he was talking about tempering his, that knife steel in brass. Interesting. I've never, ever heard that before. Yeah. That's cool. When cool I did beans. some, uh, gunsmithing when we wanted to cold blue or color case harden or get the color, of uh, that beautiful royal blue on the screws. Uh, if we had to remake a screw, that's how we would do it anyway. So, Oh, that's cool. Because brass holds that temperature perfectly. Ah. It's very stable. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I know too, like if, if I've ever used brass, I don't work with brass much, but I've done like the odd bolster or liner or pins in brass phenomenal how much it heats up compared to other materials like when you're grinding it man it stuff gets hot and you know if I'm, I'm shaping a handle and there's pins that go all the way through you know if it's steel I'll grind the one side and I'll dip it before it gets too hot like before the point of discoloration but when I'm using brass if my hand is touching the pin on the other side of the handle that gets really hot, like obviously before discoloration, but it's like, it's amazing. I think the heat transfer through brass is just way faster than like stainless or something like that. Like I actually notice it when I'm working. I'm like, oh man, this yeah. is getting hot, you know? That's what crazy. I found was uh, it it heats up way faster, but it holds it 
more than you think it does, hmm. particularly in large pieces of brass. Because I had worked with some large pieces of aluminum. This is an aluminum alloy, and then brass, and you'd you'd use them for different purposes. But you know, you'd heat up the the aluminum, and five minutes later, it, you'd just go pick it up. Um, yeah, yeah. Because it just gets rid of its heat. So, oh, not so much with brass. No. Uh, I have an emergency room visit uh, because oh, of brass. No. Oh, wow. And it was like two hours later. Huh. But the bottom of it that was sitting on the uh, granite surface plate just held the heat for some stupid reason. Hmm. Defied physics, but... <laughs> When you touched I picked it, it up, it was, you know, just barely room temperature and then sat it down on the other hand. Yeah, oh, wow, not yeah. so good. Huh. Not so good. Yeah, burns are nasty. I hate them. Yeah, I think they, well, yeah, um, getting my eyeball cut hurts the the worst I've ever been hurt in my entire life. Um, kidney stone. Getting oh. shot, then getting burnt. That's <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad we have a we have a source we can talk to. Hey, hey Dad, what, what's a pain level like that? Is that worse than getting shot or better? <laughs> well, my uh, what, when I when I went to the emergency room with uh, the kidney stone, they were asking me, you know, how bad does it hurt? You know what? And uh, I just said. <laughs> Less than dying, but worse than getting shot. And they're yeah, like, huh? Yeah. You've been shot? Yeah. Can we get back to the kidney stone? Yeah. That's funny. Huh. Luckily, luckily, the trauma nurse just got through with a bout of kidney stones. Uh, so I had some sympathy there. Yeah, yeah. And she rushed me in nasty. there. Huh. Um, so we missed an episode last week. Uh, yeah, that's my fault. Yeah, well, it was for good reason. Uh, yes, I got. I went from 1989 DSL to 2020 <laughs> high speed fiber optic. Yeah, man, that's. You, you sent me a screenshot after they hooked it up. So basically, last Friday when we record, you had to wait for uh, the the folks to come in and put the internet. And yeah. you you sent me a screenshot of a speed test you did, and you were getting like 256 megabytes download or something. 252.6 oh. down, 104 up. That's insane. And like I, yesterday, I, it was 202 down and almost 125 up. That I never even knew that stuff existed. Like, like Well, in town, they have giga speed. Wow. Um, so they have one gigabyte down. See, you, you Americans are so much further ahead with that, with like consumer electronic and data and stuff. Like, you know, like we don't have any such thing as an unlimited data plan for our cell phones here. And you know how much I pay per month for my wife and I to have a an iPhone? So we each have an iPhone and I've got an Apple Watch, which has its own data, but it's only 10 bucks a month. So that I'm out running, I don't need to take my phone. I could make calls from this, but I think we're about 400 and something per month. And that's... I think on our phones, we have eight gigs of shared data. That's crazy. And then, and then even so, like we've got the fastest internet that we can actually get right now. And on a good day, we'll get 20 to 25 megabytes download. 
and I would say four to eight or ten upload. And I always thought this was fast. I'm like, wow, we can actually just click a YouTube video and it starts playing right now. Now, it fluctuates a lot because I think I think these towers a little bit overloaded. Ours are with the cell phone towers, but is it like just like like instant when you click something, it just does it? Like when you get that I mean, kind there's... of internet speeds, aren't you possibly running through the thing if you don't have a, a newer computer, the slowdown will be your processing power, not your data feed rate. Is that correct? Well, the speed I showed you is on my iPhone. My iPad Pro will go that fast. My wife's uh, work iPhone will not. Her her iPhone is like two generations old because she just doesn't like getting new stuff. Uh, will not go that fast. My uh, desktop will, but if I direct connect it, you know, with a LAN cable. Yeah. But if I use the Wi-Fi on it, it'll almost go that fast, about 75% of that speed. Yeah. So, yeah, it depends on your device as well. That is insane. That's sweet. I love uh, – it's funny because, you know, it's like a dichotomy where I – Love being offline. And I, I think people like, you know, we're kind of going through this with our children right now. We're trying to, and, and uh, like they don't game. Uh, my kids aren't gamers, right? Which I'm, <laughs> I'm very adamantly against video games. Uh, but even so, like their rules, if they want to watch YouTube videos, uh, they have to exercise for one hour. And then they can watch one hour of YouTube, right? So there's no free lunch. They don't just get, like they do online school. When that's done, their computers go away. And it's like, oh, I want to do some research on making this RC airplane. Say, so, okay, we'll go outside. Now, we call motocross exercise because it's phenomenally exhausting. Like they've got a track they're working on and they're riding their dirt bikes. I'm like, yeah, go ride your dirt bike for an hour. And then you can watch, you know, and the most they get a day is an hour on YouTube. And usually they put it on the big screen. They'll watch whatever. But um you know, myself, I'm trying to get myself away from being glued to my stupid devices. But at the very same time, whenever a new device comes out, I get jacked. I'm like, wow, like like the new iMac that came out. And, um, you know, my kids were saying, so, so right now we've got the new iPad. I've got a, well, my wife has a new M1 computer. I've got the uh, brand new I like iMac or no MacBook Pro got an iPhone 12 mini. I've got the latest app watch. And uh, like my kids, like you have all the brand new Apple stuff. I'm like, at this moment I do. Right. And it's so weird because I'm like, I want to get away from electronics. I don't want to be tied to this. And I still don't. And I'm, I'm actually better than I've ever been. But when I am going to use it, I get really excited to have the latest and greatest. It's so weird because I'm not on this stuff all the time, but when I want it, I want it. I don't want it to be good, you know, but you, you, you can never keep up. Have you seen the new IMAX? No. They're they're essentially oh, like Oh yeah, is it the one you and I were talking you showed me that was like 30 grand? No, no, no. That that's like those big uh super processing computers. Um Uh that's like a Mac Pro or something like that. that like okay. Yeah. Remember we we put the, we spec'd out like an $80,000 yeah. Mac Pro, yeah. No, so the new IMAX, have you seen the new iPads like with those you know, super thin um, same with the iPad Pros, then they got that nice little keyboard stand. Yeah, that, I've my iPad Pro has the keyboard stand. I've got the iPencil. Yeah. What I can't find now, this is stupid to me. iPad Apple put out this iPad Pro in front of any technology to go in it. Yeah. Because it do. is a really powerful little iPad, but there's no like apps 
for yeah, yeah. what I need. And they promised there that there would be. Do you have the um, M1 and chip? And there still isn't. Uh, now, if I was a, a professional uh, filmmaker, yeah. If I was a, a graphics artist, probably. But I just want something that would help a layperson with, you know, making a logo or writing a book or, you know, video editing. Yeah. And it, you know, I guess that, that my problem is the pro part. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got an iPad Air. Um, and then, you know, now the new iPads have the M1 chip in them. And then my wife just got a laptop, uh, a MacBook with an M1 chip. And it's the same thing, like Photoshop works. Uh, I think there's one more Adobe program that works. Uh, but my wife uses Illustrator quite a bit, and it just, it's really clunky, really chuggy. Like the little wheel will spin around for four minutes after she tries to export in a certain file folder or something like that, and and then it'll crash. And so she has to make sure everything's saved and this. And so, yeah, it always takes a while for things to come up. But I think... I think that's the one thing that makes Apple, the, their product longevity better because I'll say this for a fact, like I'm onto my third MacBook Pro now and I'll have them for at least five years. And when I get rid of them for five years, it's usually just because whatever I'm processing has changed. Like the cameras are shooting much bigger files. And so now, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's more information than this computer was ever really designed to process because there weren't cameras that created that much information before. But, um, you know, when I worked uh, at GNS as a project manager, uh, every year we got a brand new desktop, a PC, and just specced out to the nines because I had to run AutoCAD. We would run SolidWorks. Uh, and then usually either once a year or every six months, I would get a brand new laptop because I traveled all the time. I needed really good, reliable remote login so I could log into my computer at work. And man, I remember sometimes I'd, it'd be a year until I got a new laptop and I'm like, man, I'm starting to wait on my computer. And by the time I got to the end of the year, I like I was done with, I'm like, okay, this thing is slowing me down. This thing is old technology. It's, but the Apple products, it seems like I'll get them. And like, it's like four years before I ever like, oh, you know what? I wonder if I should upgrade. And I think I had my first MacBook Pro for like seven years. That's still the one that I use in my garage. And so, I mean, it, it, it's unprotected. Like I weld in my garage, I do woodworking, phenomenal amount of dust. Uh, you know, you know, it's a nasty environment. Plasma cutting, and that thing works flawlessly. I literally open it up and I type in my password, and I can look at any website I want. I can stream whatever radio I want, and that that computer, I don't know, it's like thirteen, fifteen years old. And I'm like, it's pretty crazy, you know, how reliable they actually are. Um, but yeah, man, I like brand new technology. Speaking of. Sorry, are you done on the technology subject? Yeah. Okay. I got a new dust collector. I sent you a picture of it, and what a difference. I'm I'm blown away, man. It's unbelievable. So before I had, you know, the kind that's got the little clear plastic bag, and then for its air filtration uh, component, that's just like a cloth bag on top. Kind of yeah. a joke. Terrible. Uh just the design. And again, like I will say this, I paid 300 bucks for that first dust collector. And ultimately I was just using it for knife handles. And to that end, it probably worked okay. Now doing these signs for my wife's Etsy shop, uh, using the drum sander at 220, it's such a fine dust. Like if it was just for my planer, that's fine. Because those are mostly, for the most part, it's taken off chunks of wood, right? 
and shavings. Whereas you get into drum sanding, you get that fine, fine dust. And that stuff just, you could stare at this dust collector. It's like, little, something would happen, a little poof, a little poof. It was just like poofing dust into the air like crazy. This new one doesn't do that at all. It is, oh, I'm so impressed with it. And this is a cyclonic separator. So, you know, it comes in the intake port. It's obviously got higher CFM, way quieter. It's probably half as loud. And then it's got the cyclonic separator, goes into a, a removable drum at the bottom where the, the majority of it is. And then the rest of it blows out through a HEPA filter. And then you can clean that. But, uh, you know, I've, I've been using it for, I don't know, probably a week, week and a half now. And unbelievable the difference that I can tell. I didn't think it would be that big of a difference, but it is incredible. And I can stand right beside it. And I, I can just barely, I'd have to turn up my music or my podcast, like one to two notches in the volume. It is so much quieter. Oh, I love that thing. I'm stoked. Yes. Um, anybody who works with wood, especially metal dust, you don't know what you're doing if you don't have good dust collection. Yeah. Um, probably the most deadly thing we, we deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a complete moron for uh, going as long as I did without buying my uh, good uh, dust collection. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I too, have one of those double bag stupid uh, dust collectors. Yeah. Ugh. When they're brand new, they work okay. As they get older, they get little gaps in them. And, and, and again, if you're doing stuff like wood planing, or I know nobody really uses dust collection when they're wood turning, but if you're doing a type of a process that generates big chunks, I think they're fine. But any fine dust, that's not what they're meant to handle. No, I I uh I didn't use it at first with wood turning, but I had to figure out a way to at least do some of it because and I bought one of those um like dust collection funnels for a wood lathe. Okay. Just to take some of the dust out, because when you're doing uh, your rough turning, nah, it doesn't really matter, because um, it's just all going to fall right there under the lay. When, you're, you're, when you get down to turning dry wood, doing the final turning or sanding, you got to have it, or or you got to have one of those helmets with the yeah. uh, positive air pressure. Yeah. I mean, are you just breathing in stuff that's going to kill you? Mm-hmm. And well, well, any metal dust is bad in your lung, but some woods are so poisonous to us, and you don't know. Yeah. Uh, to breathe the dust. Uh, snake wood is very bad. Huh. Um, walnut is horrible. Oh, really? Uh, Health wise. Oh, yeah. You know, walnut dust, the wood from, or the dust from walnut. Yeah. If you have a dog, this poison to them. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And a lot of those wood things too. I mean, well, same with metal and, and welding fumes. Like your lung stuff. You know, you you can do it while you're young, but it's something that it, it gets planted then when you're young, and you could give up woodworking or, or any type of making for thirty years. You know, in your sixties, and all of a sudden you develop problems chronic problems from what was put in your lungs 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Right. And it's, it's one of these things that, you know, I just call people being safety sallies on YouTube, but man, 
I always say, uh, my eyes, my lungs, and my ears, I am just phenomenally, um, I'm, I really get excited about protecting those, you know, because those things don't repair themselves. You know, I'll wear, I don't wear gloves often and people will be like, oh, you should wear gloves. It's like, I can handle a cut, right? Because your skin's going to heal itself. If I get something on my eyeball, ah, I can't see out of that eyeball. If I put a bunch of junk in my lungs, I can't, they can't just go in there and do a little scrub. Hey, it's pressure wash this guy's lungs. Let's clean them out. And same with your eardrums, right? Like, even if you were lucky enough to have your eardrums heal, things will always sound differently. And so, man, I'm like a, a safety. And same thing with joints and stuff. Like with my boys, they'll they'll kneel down working on their motorbikes. And I'm like, dudes, don't kneel down. I've got a tiny little mechanic stool or put knee pads on. Because my knees, I used to kneel down when I worked all the time when I was like in my 20s. And man, I've got bad knees. Everything else, great. You know, I can go run 10 miles and like that, the next day, my knees are killing me. And it's because I neglected them. It's like, so it's so important, you know? And uh, yeah, I'm, and even I put in that air cleaner in my shop. And so I've got really good dust collector now. I've got a big air cleaner that, uh, according to the spec, it recirculates the air every 10 minutes. But even the entire time that I'm in my shop doing woodwork, I have a, a respirator on, like a good quality 3M particulate respirator. And it's, it's a pain, right? It's, it's not fun to wear. It's, but it's, a, you know what? I think this stuff is important, you know? Yes. Gotta look after um, yourself. No, you're absolutely right. Um, with your hearing, um, loud noises, damage your cilia in your ears. They don't grow back. There's no way to replace them. You're just screwed. Believe Sorry. me, I know. What's that? Um, huh? Sorry, exactly. what's that? <laughs> <laughs> ah, I can't the, uh, get you. I always get my kids with that one. <laughs> in 1996, um, as of 1996, that, think about how long ago that was. Yeah. I had lost 49% of my hearing. Oh, wow. Um, now, it's a lot in the higher frequency yeah. Uh, and I, and I joke, but it's true, you know, yeah, you know where all the female voices are, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. sorry, honey, I can't hear you. It's scientific proof right here. <laughs> so if I go to a bar and I can understand you, um, yeah, I'm not falling for it. Yeah. yeah that's you right. know, I'm like, Hey, can I buy you a drink? And you're like, sure, daddy. Yeah. It's yeah. not happening. Yeah. But, um, no, but you know, working on jet engines because oh, yeah. the, the, the R model engines on the KC-135s, uh, it had a, such a high frequency noise that was beyond our ability to physically hear it, but oh, wow. it, um, would still damage your hearing after so many minutes of prolonged exposure. It doesn't matter if you had hearing protection on or not, but they didn't know that for you know, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it's one of those things that it takes 10, 20 years to know, um, kind of like some things going on in the world right now that we don't want to ruin the show with. Yeah. Um, you don't know what you don't know right now because yeah. you can't know it takes time. Yeah. Um, like growing corn, I can plant it today, but I don't know in August what corn I'm going to have. Yeah. You can think you do, you can plan. Yeah. But you you can project, but you don't know. Yeah. And the more you times you plant you know. the corn, 
the, you know, the better set of data you can get, but like the most likely thing, you know, nine times in the last nine years we grew corn and it was this size. Yeah. You got a better idea, but it's still not guaranteed. But yeah, no, stuff like that. Um, and hearing too, like I often wonder, like I use uh, like Bluetooth hearing protection um, from a company, but I honestly wonder how much worse that is because I, I don't know. I guess as long as you're responsible for it, but I've I've heard of guys that'll be like, you know, they're doing some loud grinding or something, and their wife will be like at the door just yelling, trying to get their attention. Supper time, supper time. They can't hear it, but it's not because the grinder's that loud. It's because they got their podcast or their music so loud. So I think that's one thing, like for people, you know, if you're using those things like isotunes or whatever, you know, you need to really be cognizant that shut your machines down, listen to your podcast, and whatever's comfortable to you at that moment, that should be where you leave it. Like if you turn your machines on and you're turning up the volume, all you're doing is matching that loud sound, right? And then I guess yeah. on this too, one thing I recommend, uh, I've been using for years, like custom molded earplugs are unbelievable and you can get them at Costco. And they're not cheap. I think they're like 100, 150 bucks. But I never knew that the little foamy roll them up, stick them in your ear, earplugs were uncomfortable. They never bothered me once. And I had been wearing them for like 15, 20 years. And when I went to uh, Sanjel, no, it wasn't Sanjel, it was the one before that, Interflow, I think. We got custom molded earplugs and I put them in. I'm like, I, I had no idea. It it's like putting really nice comfy slippers on your feet, but in your ears. Incredible. I'd say 100%. People ask me quite a bit, oh, what are those earplugs? I'm like, they're the ones you need to buy and they're going to custom make them to your ear and they've got really high level protection and you can wear them all day long and it won't bother you. So you're more likely to stick them in. Love those yeah. things. Oh, absolutely. Um, I want a pair of custom molded noise canceling. Yeah. Ones. I, I have the money. I just, I can't bring myself to, to do that. Do it. Um, I'm gonna, but I think I think I'm more apt to do it now because the place of out on the East Coast where I lived, I just didn't want to give that state another dime. I I hated it that bad, hmm. you know. I wouldn't go out to eat because you know you're not getting nothing <laughs> from me. Yeah. Um, Cut off your nose to spite your face. Well, no, I mean I didn't want for anything. I wasn't suffering. Uh, yeah, Maryland because I could go to Virginia and go out to dinner. Oh yeah, or, yeah, yeah, You know, twenty minutes away from Virginia, but. Um, Maryland could, you know, uh, suck rotten eggs. They could do things that uh, you talk about cut your nose off to spite your face. That is Maryland into in a T. Hmm. Um, the, the Maryland citizenry will vote in a, horribly liberal, far left, um, so far left it makes Nancy Pelosi cringe um, legislature, right? Mm -hmm. And then a Republican governor. Hmm. How are you going to get anything done? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you how. You won't for eight years. Um, in fact, the only thing that good, the only thing that got done was by the governor through executive action when he was... Um, like killing the tolls, uh, helping with the working people out, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't even like the guy personally. Um, 
but he did a lot of good things for the work, the middle class workers, where the, you know, the rubber meets the road people, and mm-hmm. uh, so I, I'll give him props for that. But Maryland as a whole, they just suck um, at trying to get anything done, hmm. uh, and they used to be such a progressive state, you know, two hundred years ago. Yeah, not so much now. But anyway, yeah. Um, back to hearing. Um, the the best thing you can do is double hearing protection. I don't care what kind you got, um, because there's two different kinds of noise that damages your hearing. Um, the noise you can hear and the noise you can't hear. The percussive sound that, that you feel. Mm-hmm. And earplugs don't help with that one iota. You got to have muffs for that. Oh, um, okay. Some sort of hard shell. Yeah. Uh, so the best thing you can do is wear double hearing protection, plugs and muffs. Hmm. Um, so for a long time, what I did is I put the, uh, I have silicone ones that were, uh, not custom sized, but they're made in so many sizes. You can find one that fits you very well. Oh, okay. And they're silicone plugs, right? I put those in and then I wear my Bluetooth, uh, noise canceling head shooting, uh, headphones over it. And, yeah. uh, if I couldn't hear what I was listening to, like, you know, I listened to Metallica or George Strait or a podcast. I just couldn't hear it, but I'm not going to crank it up because, you know, um, I'm surprised that they haven't, uh, that Beats, the company that makes the headphones, hasn't been sued out of existence uh, because the first decade they were making it, they were just killing people's hearing. Hmm. Killing it. Um, yeah. You know, I know Everybody a DJ in an airport. Uh, that I was in the Air Force with, um, incredible DJ. He uh, grew up in Philly, uh, joined the Air Force, got out, went back to Philly. Incredible DJ, um, 100% deaf now, 100%, oh, wow. and it's from being a DJ. Hmm. Uh, he, yeah, I used he, to uh, love those beats, but... He, he, uh, his sister... Um, told me, yeah, the night he, he finally lost all of his hearing, he came home. No, yeah, he just thought it was, you know, oh, my ears are ringing because of the, you know, I had such a dope show that tonight, uh, and his family was like screaming because he walks in, he's got, just got blood pouring out of his ears. He had no oh, idea. Wow. Mm. wow. Yeah. My cousin had, uh, so he was born, I had a cousin who was born with a hearing, like a little bit deaf. And hearing aids from the time he was really, from the time he was really young. <laughs> We're too quick this morning. We've had enough coffee, Todd. <laughs> you got to try harder to get me. Um, anyways, but one thing his parents would let him do is listen to. I'm going to start with midget jokes in a minute if you don't watch out. <laughs> no. I had to cut a lot of that episode out because <laughs> I said some things that are best not to go out. But um, oh my god, I. I that's the closest I've ever been to peeing myself laughing. I so hard. know, I know. I was laughing so hard, and, and oh. my kids thought it was hilarious, and my wife thought it was funny but mean. But um, anyway, so but they let him mean. listen. No, it if you're a midget, you'd be offended. At all. It was you know, no. Um, but anyway, so they were the appears- subject of the joke, but the joke was just trying to see if we could keep each other laughing. That's true. But back to this. We got to get on this. Um, so anyway. Shiny thing, his... run. <laughs> so anyways, he's hard of hearing. And when he was a, t- a kid, his parents let him listen to a Walkman, 
right? But they can't, you can't monitor the volume. So he kept turning it up and he ended up blowing all of his hearing. And you know, that that's one thing they say, once you start to lose your hearing, if you don't know it and you're not getting tested, you just compensate with the volume dial and you can just do so, so much damage. He ended up getting, he was one of the first person, first people in Alberta to get a cochlear, a cochlear implant. Yeah. Which was, uh, yeah, something they stick on his brain that was like magnetized and I don't know, but I think that's important too. And I, I think that's one thing. So say if we're going to kind of address the, the maker crowd, right? Even though we, whatever we think about that term, but the guy who's like uh, a weekend warrior, learning a new trade, whatever it is, uh, things like a hearing test probably aren't really going to cross their mind often. But if you are working with machinery, if, if you're learning blacksmithing, that is very, very loud, right? And I, I, I think obviously minimum where you're hearing protection, but a really good thing and something I strongly encourage people to do. In fact, I'm going to go for another one here soon is to go to a proper hearing clinic and get a proper hearing test. And then you have a benchmark, right? And, and then you can know if what you're doing is working. And then you go back in five years, see where you're at. Like, like we had these done at, at Sanjel because for liability purpose, everybody had to have one, right? Because, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, and uh, I had no clue, but apparently I have way better hearing than normal. Like I was hearing things and they said, you're not hearing that. I said, yeah, I am. And so he would put it to like a manual thing where he could really intermittently, it's like, tell me how many times you hear the noise. I'm like four. He goes, there's not many people in the world that can hear what you're hearing. And like the super high ones, and it's, it's almost like I don't hear it. It's almost like it's something that's in my brain. Like it's really weird to describe, but anyways, but you oh, know, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause before I lost all my hearing, mm-hmm. I was the same way. The first audiogram I had in the air force, that's exactly what they said. You, you, there's no way you hear those. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. But it, did I hit all the marks? Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Mm-hmm. But I think that's important. And those things aren't that expensive. And, you know. And most cases, if you have a job um, where yeah. there's noise involved that's governed by OSHA at all, if the career field, your insurance will cover a, an audiogram every so often. Yeah, it that's will. That's true. Um, and if not, your copay is going to be like 20 bucks. Just, yeah. Yeah. You're hearing people. It ain't repairable. No, it's worth it. And, and you I know, mean, you waste, you know, money on Starbucks, you know, that's an save that hundred dollar cup of coffee. Go get an audiogram. That's an investment, Todd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you think about it too. Like how much of making involves hearing, right? You're turning on All a wood lathe. Just about. Yeah. You're grinding and I about, you know, that's all part of it. So you lose your hearing, you lose, uh, you know, the things that we were given by God to make us be able to do these things, you know, touch, sight, uh, you know, even just the nerve, being able to feel breeze on you, right. Being able to hear things, being able to sense vibrations, you, you dull any of those down and your potential goes down, you know, and I mean, obviously there's some people that you learn to compensate, but yeah, I, I think, I think we've you know, driven home the point. It's important to look after your, your hearing and, and PPE and safety. And I can't believe how many people I see on Instagram that want to put a video of themselves grinding a blade and they're actually grinding a knife, but they don't have a respirator on and they don't have glasses on. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like, yeah, you're just doing a 10 second clip for an Instagram video, but that spark doesn't take a full 10 seconds to get into your eyeball. It could be there. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, that is First of all, it sends a terrible message. Second of all, it's risky. 
you're taking a big chance that, oh, you could get it. Even if you just got a spark in your eye that hurt for an hour or two, is it worth it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and I will tell you, uh, I think you and I talked about this off one offline one time, mm-hmm. but metal grinding, welding, um, you get, you know, a little sliver in your eye, even a microscopic sliver. All right. Pause that story. And you hurt your knee one time or your shoulder. Let's go with shoulder, right? You yeah. tear part of your rotator cuff and you have to go for an MRI. They ask you, oh, do you ever work with metal? And you're like, yeah, you got any, ever got anything in your eye? You forget. You say no. I know a guy. Literally, I've seen it personally. Drove a guy to the hospital. He got an MRI for something that had nothing to do with his eyes, but he had a metal sliver he forgot about, and it came through his eye in the MRI. Wow. It just popped it like uh, a balloon, a, a gooey, wet balloon. And, yeah. you know, they ask you. They have the little, you know, yeah. so they have your – uh, oral waiver, so yeah. you can't sue him. Yeah. Believe me, he tried. I told him not to, but he tried. Huh. Uh, he lost. Um, anyway. Uh, Guess what? On that story, rumor has it I have a great uncle who lost an eyeball frying bacon. Piece of bacon grease came up, got his eyeball, and the story that I heard, it oozed out just like the, you're saying this, guys. Oh, yeah. The, the visceral fluid in your eye yep. is... Um, White and creamy, like the inside of one of those Easter egg things oh from Cadbury's, like a Cadbury's cream egg. Oh, that's nasty. Mm, yum 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 yum. But uh, <sighs> well, I mean, if anybody's ever eaten a fish eye, I haven't. But there are people, gross people out there that do. Worse. Huh? Yeah. Because we see different than a fish does. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why that would be appetizing. Like, why would you be like, let's put this in my mouth? <laughs> it's like, ugh. Well, Anyways, I always I get nervous when you, I fry bacon. The uh, You said, uh, you brought up the, you know, striking of a hammer on an anvil. Um, horribly bad for your hearing. Horribly. All right. Anything that you can hear from the barn to the house. But you're standing right next to it, and you don't have a hearing protection on, you're stupid and you deserve it. Yeah. I just yeah. don't want you to do it. Yeah. You know, the guy that you saw on Instagram grinding a knife with no eye protection. Uh, I cringe when I see these folks on any platform that, hey, I'm going to be a knife maker. I'm going to, you know, learn how to make knives. Awesome. I'm going to build my own 2x72. Awesome. I'm going to put a $60 eBay Chinesium VFD on it. Please don't do that. The electronics are unshielded. There's high-frequency noise. Again, you can't hear it, but it probably drives your dog crazy and is killing your hearing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might take five years, but it's hurting something in yeah. your ears. Believe me. Um, that unshielded electronic noise is so bad for us. You know, um, that's that's interesting you mentioned that because 
so the part of my shop where I've got my um, portable bandsaw, I've got that. I've got a light, like an overhead desk lamp. It was an old one that I put an LED bulb in. And I also have into that same, it's basically a power bar, like one of those strips that have like four or six inputs. And when I leave that turned on, I can hear this very mild, high-pitched, super quiet. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And I'm checking both of my grinders, all three of them, because I've got three VFDs over there. I'm like, they're all powered off. And you can hear it. Like when my uh, bell grinder's turned on and you're not using it, if it's quiet, you can hear a high-pitched squeal. And then when you turn the power to the the VFD off, you can hear the... Yeah. You know, and and these are K-back ones, decent uh, brand. I mean, they're not like Allen Bradley or, or Siemens or anything like that, but... Um, interesting because there's no VFDs and I almost wonder if it's the type of LED light bulb that I have in there, but I turn the power bar off and this noise goes away. I turn it on and it comes on. It's like, oh, wow. So, you know, it's crazy. And it's, it's one thing that I noticed it and I'm like, this is starting to drive me nuts. and I couldn't figure out where it's coming from, but that I always, I always thought, what is the deal with this? But, you know, I never really, I guess I never really thought about that as being really bad for me. I mean, I turn it off cause it's annoying, but I, you know, these sounds, these, these, electronic things, especially when we talk about, you know, um, or cheap Chinese, right? Like Amazon and all these, you know, so many electronics that don't cost you anything nowadays. And I, I don't know how well they're tested as far as their audio audible effect, right? Like they'll get their listings because they won't spark out and start a fire. But beyond that, you know, what kind of, what kind of testing do they get before they're allowed to be imported? You know, something and- that's kind of interesting. Are, here's an example of something that my buddy and uh, uh, the the custom side of customs and border protection um, used to be the custom service uh, that do some of the testing along with other agencies and to make sure it's safe to import and sell to Americans. Mm-hmm. You get a sample of say three. And they're, but they're going to sell millions of them here. Yeah. You get, and they pick the ones they give you. Yeah. You know, you see where I'm going with that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what they started doing after um, 9-11, but having nothing to do with 9-11, is they randomly pick things. Uh, and let's, let's say a VFD, for instance. Um, yep, these have been tested. They're safe to sell, blah, blah, blah. Two years later, they just take one out of uh, the, the agency actually buys it randomly and then does the same testing on it. If it doesn't meet the same standards, they wag their finger at the company, but that's about as far as it goes. Mm. I'm like, that's just so bad. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about it, like uh, it's all driven by consumerism. Yeah. Want, 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 want. And China's like, let's make, 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 make. And to, you know, there's so many billions of products. I don't know if that's the right number. Maybe it's just millions. <laughs> Billion sounds impressive. Might be wrong. Uh, there's a lot of product coming in, right? A lot of all kinds of products and tons of electronic product. You know, say if you wanted to put it on the government saying, listen, we want you to ramp it up so you can actually properly test this efficiently and regularly. Well, that's that's a burden they can't bear. That would take so many human resources, you know, and so it's just kind of, I think in a certain sense, you know, with me hearing 
this noise and and snooping around. I couldn't figure out what it was. Like I unplugged my VFDs and I'm like, I, I'm literally the switch that I turn off. It cuts the power going to the VFD. I unplugged my VFDs. The noise was still there. Checking everywhere. I unplugged all the lights. The noise was still there. I didn't, and I don't even know if it's this power bar or not, but like, I guess that's kind of all we're talking about is, is personal safety. Even stuff like this, it falls on you, you know? I mean, it's good the government does what they can and, and we've got certain things so that China just couldn't bombard us with stuff that's going to be really bad for us. But at the same time, I mean, none of this stuff's perfect and, and you really need to pay attention. I, I think it's a general rule of thumb. The more electronics that you have powered down, the better, right? Like if you're in a room and you've got everything and it's always powered up all the time, something's happening there. I, I don't know if it's bad or not, but I'm always like, you know what? Let's shut this stuff down. If I'm not going to use my computer for like a day or two, I'll unplug it from the wall. And I don't know. I think we don't really know what goes on with different frequencies and different, you know, ultimately we have electricity inside of us. Like our heart is, is little electrical pulses that yeah. <laughs> pumps our blood. And the relationship, I, I know people talk about if you were to live right underneath one of those big transmission towers, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens to you, right? And I know yeah. that's on a magnified well, level. It creates, yeah, it creates so much uh, electromagnetism that it just can't be good for us. Yeah. Because our and brain I wonder, works just, on electricity. Yeah. And prolonged exposure to smaller volumes. Like, I mean, I don't know. I just, it's something I... Well, I saw a lot of people that worked on... Um, reconnaissance aircraft with these giant um, antennas underneath the belly. Yeah, the big round ones. Wind up with uh, testicular cancer, uh, colon cancer, intestinal cancers. You know, if one or two people do it out of hundreds, it's statistically inconsequential. But when you have, I'll say, 200 people and 30 of them have the same kinds of cancer. Yeah, that that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. But. That's interesting. Yep, got to look after yourself. Yeah, and only you can prevent forest fires, and only you can prevent damage to yourself <laughs> like that. That's you know? right, that's right. Um, but I also, having said all of that, am still... 110% against safety Sally. Yep, me too. It's a... It, it's a personal choice, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you work for another individual and they and part of your job is they are making you um, run the giant ladle full of liquid metal pouring into mold, yeah. maybe they have a responsibility to give you PPE. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately because, I mean, my oldest is going to grade 12 and we've told our children, we said, you know what, once you're done school, you either better A, have a job or B, go into some type of post-secondary education. Like, I don't want you to think that you can be done grade 12 and just be outside riding your dirt bike all day long and then do the dishes at night. Like, it doesn't work like that. And so thinking about this, you know, my kids are looking at places they want to work and it weighs heavy on me. And they're like, oh, I might want to work here. I'll go to these places and I'll look at how clean it is and, and potential. I'm like, I've worked in some pretty bad places and I've actually gotten hurt really bad. Like I worked in one place and I, I had three complete fractures in my jaw 
right? My jaw was in like four separate pieces. I could take my bottom chin and just articulate it back and forth. And you, when I looked there, I'm like, oh, this is terrible. This place isn't clean. There's mess everywhere. And, you know, the conditions, the way the boss treated us. And that was, that was nasty. I'm like, you know what? If I could, you can't protect your kids from everything. But when it's your own kids, I'm always like, man, I, I hope your boss cares. You know, I hope this company actually does care about the safety and not just from a regulatory standpoint, from a point that's like, you know what? It, this is this is dangerous. We're not going to do it this way. We're going to find something different, whether or not the government mandates it or not. You know, because the only time government mandates something is when it's enough bad things have come from that rule not being in place. And at the same time, you know, the, the other argument is because I was on the safety committee, I was a chair of a safety committee at Sanjo for two years. Um, and there's a certain sense where I agree with it, a certain sense I don't, but it's like, you know, people call it the Darwin, the Darwin is Darwin effect, right? Let all the retards get injured and, and kill themselves off. <laughs> there's a, you know, there's a certain point where I wonder how, you know, like people like you and me, we're not daft. We're not simpletons. I mean, we're not geniuses, but I know enough that when I approach something, I can generally see dangers and I don't get hurt that much. Uh, I don't do stupid stuff. And then there's other people that will just do something. And next thing you know, they're, you know, their, their pants are tied up in a grinder or something. It's like, oh, it's like, are you freaking dumb? I was working with a guy, he got his coveralls caught in a wire wheel on a nine inch grinder because it was just too close to his body. And, I, and that's something that I feel like I would never do. And I remember it grabbed him. He's kind of a chubby guy. So it squealed up his coveralls. And then, you know how that happens? I've had it happen before with some things, like with a drill uh, a drill bit when I was really young. And it will kind of grab, because he's got a big belly, grabbed his skin and it swirled it. And he had like a, <laughs> it, it looked like a swirly blood blister. And it was bad. That I actually broke funny, the skin in the middle. Oh, yeah. But uh, I'm I, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. There's only certain people that would do that. <laughs> and are we going to mandate a rule that, you know, you have to have a protective shroud like six inches away from your belly button so that you don't bring this grinder too close to you. And he had a guard on the grinder. Like as far as uh, CSA or OSHA compliance, he was compliant. But but he somehow had, I'm like, wow. You know, there's a certain point where you don't want regulations to try to protect to that level because that, that comes to stupidity. That's just like a, this person is daft. They're just not smart, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, you got to make sure that the, the, there's things that aren't being done dangerously, you know? Well, you shouldn't be doing something you don't know how to do as yeah. long as this guy was, so if you want to be an, uh, if you want to be a knife maker or a maker on YouTube, um, don't just go out and, you know, buy a bunch of tools and just start you know, run out a table saw if you don't know what a table saw is. Mm-hmm. Because if you cut your hand off, you'll be like, oh, my God, I'm suing. No. No, you're stupid, and here's some wooden fingers. Yeah. Have a nice day. Yeah. And in the early days of learning, that's when it's the most dangerous, too, right? Like, I got hurt a lot. Not a lot, but way more when I was young. Like I said, I got, I, I've got my clothes sleeve of my lug sleeve shirt caught in a drill press and it did the same thing. It twirled it up and it kind of pinched the skin. It wasn't bad, but you learn these lessons. It's, it's kind of like when you're a little kid and you touch a hot stove. Ow. Yeah. You touched it. Yeah. You got a little burn, but most likely for the rest of your life, you're not just going to do that. <laughs> you know, 
hey, well, we go burned again, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the most dangerous times are when you know nothing and when you yeah. think you know everything. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't know what you're doing, and then you become complacent because, oh, I know it all. I, yeah. I, you know. No, you don't. And I think that's where a lot of safety Sally comments come, like a lot towards me. People are like, oh, you better do this and this and this. It's like I, maybe you don't know. It's hard to tell you don't. You can't tell, but like literally, I have been working on the tools regularly. Like I'm not talking weekend warrior project. I'm talking full time job since I was 16 years old. Like you know what I mean. So and and welding drill. I mean I've drilled. I can tell you for a fact of the matter, as far as holes being drilled in steel on a drill press, I have drilled tens of thousands of them because I had a job where I had to put 34 holes in a piece of angle iron, and I got paid by the piece, and I did a lot of that. Like I would do it. I made a boatload of money drilling these holes. Now, as soon as they bought an iron worker, I was unemployed, but <laughs> you know, I have literally drilled tens of thousands of holes on a drill press. I know the risks. I know the dangers. I know my way around a drill press. And I, I honestly feel that I can wear my wedding ring and be safe. And so far I have been. And right? you're accepting that risk. Yep. But you but know I, the risk. You know your skill level, and you're accepting that risk. Yeah. And, and, and the I've internet worked, doesn't need to go crazy over it. Yeah. They bought it one time, and they heard somebody say in a forum, watch out for it, it's going to rip your arm off. And they're like, oh. It's like, well, he works in an office all day long pushing papers. Uh, he feels that he can comment to me and say, oh, you got to be careful around the drill press. I'm like, really? And I've, I've done stupid stuff. Like, I've left chuck keys in a drill press chuck, and that's tied to a chain, you know, a thin little chain so we don't lose it, and I've turned it on. And I can tell you that there's not a single time when I don't flick the switch of my drill press where I don't think about my fingers, especially my ring finger. I'm like, okay, this thing's running. Don't get caught. It's running. Don't get caught. Every time. When I turn my lathe on, my metal lathe, every time I turn it on, I'm like, this thing's going to kill me right now. I got to make sure it doesn't. If you're running your metal lathe, right? This goes for a wood turning lathe too. If you've stuck your hand in far enough for your ring to become a problem, it's already a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's certain certain processes in, in wood lathes. Like if you've heard, they make files. It's called a lathe file. And yeah. it's, you know, and so it's got a different angle. It's a much steeper angle on, on the single cut side. I think it's like 60 some degrees or something. Um, but, you know, there's certain times when you, you do you take a part and you cut it off. The most efficient thing is to grab this lathe file and just knock that edge off, knock the little burr, and then you grab a burring tool, knock it on the inside. Uh, if your part's short, your hand is, you know, you got to, okay, wait a minute, I'm getting close to um, the chuck. And a lot of guys will come from the other way and then they get the, the far end, the end of the file that's away from their hand too close to the chuck, but they feel that's safer. And like so many people don't feel they need to have a handle on a file. It's happened before that hit the chuck hits that boom. And it just, just drives that tail, the quill of the file right into their hand, Yes, you know? And so it's not yes. just your wedding finger. It's the fact that this machine is phenomenally dangerous, phenomenally powerful. And it's, it's instant, like less than one second, it's going to do the bad thing that it's going to do to you, you know? So you always need to be cognizant. You always need to be cautious. And I am. I'm terrified of every I, machine in my shop, and I have all of my fingers right now, and I, I do a lot of work in there. I went to a woodworking store, right? One of those national chain woodworking stores that, you know, every night of the week or every other night, 
the local woodworking club teaches classes, right, mm-hmm. in the backside of the store. And I went to one of those because I knew the guy that was doing it. And he's like, oh, you know, you've been wood turning a long time. Um, you don't believe in joining, so you're not going to be a part of our club, but you got a lot of skill. Come in, you know, mm-hmm. share some of your knowledge. Okay, no problem. Uh, and this guy knows what he's doing. He's a professional. He's, you know, writes for magazines, or he did then. Um, he was, it's very common to use an, an electric drill to sand the inside and outside of a bowl, right? Oh, okay. As, as finishing. Is, do you do that while it's spinning in the lathe or? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, okay. That's what and, I thought. Uh, I just... uh, he was doing that. And uh, just a, the, a freak series of events happened. We believe what happened was the button on his jack, on his uh, lathe apron, mm-hmm. it's a fake button. Is there for. Uh, like it's studded across the front, you know, uh, as a decoration. We think one of those just stuck to the cord of the drill and pulled it up enough. The The cord of the drill got caught on the corner of the chuck, one of the uh, jaws of the chuck. Yeah. Ripped that drill out of his hand, <laughs> spun it under the bowl, and then here comes a Makita drill. <laughs> Bam! Right on his face shield. He was wearing his face shield. Didn't hurt him at all. But had he not, <laughs> had he not been wearing the whole shield instead of just safety glasses, he'd be dead yeah. as hard as that drill hit him. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny to see? If, like, just replay that skin. <laughs> and we were funny, so lucky wow. that yeah. the woodworking store had donated, like, uh, top-of-the-line European wood lathe that the motor, the electronics, the brain, recognized that there was a uneven load, that something had got caught in the chuck, basically, and just stopped it. Oh, wow. But uh, otherwise, it had hit him more than once. <laughs> How long would it take for him to move out of the way? Ow, 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 ow. Oh, ow, that thing, the, you know, at, you know, say 1,100 RPM, that thing's going to hit him two or three times before he he can react. Yeah, be a speed bag while he's going to the ground. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Because it wasn't feeding itself into the chuck. It was just stuck in one place. Yeah. And there was enough room in the swing of that lathe for the amount of cord that was left and the drill. It was just swinging that son of a bitch around. Yeah. Because the other end of it had come unplugged. Yeah, yeah. Don't, 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 don't. Ah, that's crazy. Yeah, you got. Uh, you I'll tell you what, yourself. though, they sold a lot of face shields that night. No, oh, I bet. I bet, hey. <clears throat> and I still don't have one of those. Um, uh, I forgot the name of them. Uh, the positive air pressure completely sealed with yeah. a battery pack on the you wear behind you. Yeah, they're expensive. Uh, at least one yeah, for a that's while. That's why I don't are. have one. Yeah. Um, if I was a, I'm like a pro am, a pro amateur. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I've been woodworking for 30 years, wood turning 
all of that, making stuff, selling it. I just don't have, you know, that's not my eight hours a day, five days a week stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Serious hobby. And there's certain things I don't buy because, you know, I would, hey, I'll wait until I get a, an official business is licensed in the state, and then I can write off some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the high ticket, like, you know, like that. Yeah. And uh, it's nice. Because some states are really cool about giving you extra write off for PPE. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I don't know if Tennessee is. I haven't done the research, but um, Missouri was yeah. where I was at that time. Yeah. And, you know, I like, I like that. It's, it's easy for me to buy tools. Cause like, like my dust collector, right. Um, I got on sales uh, and, and you were, and I were kind of talking offline, I think. And you'd mentioned that made in Taiwan is generally better than made in China. Generally, and, not yeah. everything. But. Yeah. So this one was made in Taiwan. I'm actually really impressed with the fit and finish of it. Um, there's no dust that comes out of it whatsoever. And like, you know, certain times of day when I got the sun coming in, I can see dust particular. Literally, I can't see dust in the air. I, I posted a picture. You no, know, I put in one of my YouTube videos about the dust in the air. Do you ever see that image? Yes. Yeah. Like, it is absolutely crystal clear all day, every day now. So I'm super stoked. And even, like, after a week, the slightest little bit of film on the screen of my laptop, because my laptop's open all the time, about the same as we would get inside. Because, I mean, we live in gravel. We're going to have dust. You can't avoid that, but... Oh, I'm so pleased with it. Um, I'll tell you, if you take a, you got that before picture, right? With all the yeah. dust in here, do one after. I should. And then post them and, you know, tag Princess Auto on it. Maybe they'll hook you up with some more cash. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's all Princess Auto. Like, the air cleaner definitely helped, but this dust collector was not. Uh, I mean, you bought it from effects. them, right? No, no, I didn't. Nope. Oh, okay. Never mind. No, that was cash. Same thing. Um, you know, if I like went through a taxes, the, the people like our accountant is like, oh, these gift cards. Cause I get, I get paid to do a video plus I get X dollars per month in gift cards and it's significant. Right. And like, well, this has to count as income. I'm like, no, it's not. And so we're trying to figure it out, like within the confines of the law, um, like it's the same thing as them giving me product to demo, right? That's not income. I can't turn that into food. I can't, uh, you know, I can't buy a car with that. I can't pay my utility bills with that. It's not cash. Even though it's a gift card, it's like, no, this is to buy tools so I can feature the tool. And so yeah. the way I look at it is like, I'm not paying income tax on that, but they're trying to figure it out. But In I America, mean, it would be income. Yeah, see, that bogged me. But the same thing. So say if somebody sends you an air compressor, here's a $800, uh, $80, or 80-gallon air compressor. Do a video on it, please. Sure, cool. Now, do I have to say that that's like 800 bucks worth of income? I don't think it should be. It's like I'm literally using a prop on a set of a show. It, it depends. Um, the black letter of the law in America is yes. Mm. For um, the it, Like if somebody gave me a car, a $35,000 car, yeah, well, a $100,000 car, because... Um, Bentley wants me to represent Bentley mm-hmm. and they give, they give me a Bentley to, Hey, we want you to do a series of 10 videos about the Bentley. Bentley's yours to keep. Yeah. I, I guess I see. The, yeah. the, the retail, retail, um, value of the Bentley. I have to claim 
as income. Yeah. That, that actually does make sense. F that. Yeah. You know. See, the thing I don't like is if I use it to buy materials. Right? Like, I don't know. I guess it's all it's all the same. Really, ultimately, if I was to get that product, I... Here's the but thing. hey, you know, you're you're doing Canada taxes, so... Yeah. My thing is thinking about it. So say if I were to just go buy the product, right? So I've already paid tax on the money that's in my wallet, right? And it's like 40% tax. So, you know, here basically you work, you earn, if you work, you get earn $2, you get to keep a dollar of it here. Like, like our government's greedy. So everything's twice as much, right? If it's $10, I've got to earn $20 in a job because I got to give 10 of it to the government. So if I go buy $10 with a product, I've worked $20 worth for that. Well, I will tell you, um, the, I actually, well, yeah. Um, we're just having a conversation between two friends. Nobody else is listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the workaround, one workaround, and it depends on your state because there's federal and state taxes, but for federal, generally, the workaround has been, and one of the, Huge maker on YouTube, huge um, that I've been very vocal about hating, um, <laughs> uh, and who might also be on a primetime TV show uh, on the History Channel. Uh, the workaround was: we're not going to give it to you. Ah. The property is ours. We're going to loan it to you for the life of your business, your channel. Interesting. In the background. And then there's, you know, a little um, sponsor, partially, you know, sponsored by your channel is now sponsored by. Yeah. And as long as you have your channel, you get all these tools. So it, you don't have to claim it all as income. Yeah. And those tools, they you can depreciate them every year, right? Like at the end of 10 years, if they finally decide to give it to you, say, yeah, it's yours now. But and it's worth if three. you do it this way. Say saw stop is your. Uh, I use saw stop because this isn't the company in question, but but let's say they are, mm-hmm. um, and they give you twenty twenty one saw stop tools. In twenty twenty three, they get a new line, they replace them with all new stuff. That's how uh, Delta did with uh, the new Yankee Workshop on oh, really? some of the Delta tools. Not all, some of them were actually owned by Russell Morash, but. Um, some of the, uh, Delta tools were, uh, on loan, quote unquote, that way they could, Delta could renew them with new tools as they came out. Hmm. And at the beginning and the end of the show, there was just a little placard on the opening and closing, you know, sponsored by Delta. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting world. Um, doing sponsorships. And I mean, I really haven't done any, I did a flashlight one. <laughs> I mean, but the bad thing is you get these, all these sponsors, you get a <clears throat> workshop full of awesome tools. And then your mouth runs over like Chucky's did. And then you lose everything <laughs> overnight. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know Poor exactly guy. what happened there, but yeah, well, you know, he became a right wing Christian and then spouted off about, Government conspiracy, and then, boom. <laughs> yeah, that's. My and there point. was some race involved, but he wasn't being racist. Mm. Um, but I can understand how the companies would run from it in today's society. Yeah, yeah. I don't agree with them running, but they did. Yeah. Oh. Um, 
And the funny thing is, one of his sponsors that ran away from him, his sponsor is was then and is now sponsoring another channel that the guy is racist. Hmm. <laughs> he just doesn't put it on the YouTube channel. Huh. You can go to some of his other social media outlets and boy is it apparent. Hmm. That's interesting. Um no, I was gonna say like kind of talking about that and they cancel culture and stuff. You, you don't follow the NHL at all, do you? I'm sorry, who? National Hockey League. No. Eh? Um, so anyways, like, so right now, the way they're doing the league is there's like Canadian and American. And before it used to be like, you know, you have the Western Division Pacific, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, you know, pre-COVID teams would travel to the States back and forth. And um, they basically had a Western Division and Eastern Division. They would kind of do their things. The points through the season would lead up. Whoever won the Western Division and the Eastern Division would play for the Stanley Cup. They're doing yeah. it different this year, but they're kind of doing it more bubble-ish, bubble-esque. And the issue with that is that, you know, when teams have back-to-back games, you know, say if one player plays a little aggressively to another player in the first game, that other player gets them in the second one, right? And so the... Um, oh, every time. Yeah, and so it was the Washington Capitals, and shoot, I forgot. I'm not going to go very over the specific. You can look it up. It happened, like, it's on, you know, if you just Google... Uh, but anyways, they set a record for the most fights in five minutes in NHL history because <laughs> these teams have been playing each other for some, sometimes they'll go three and four games in a row. And, uh, I know, I, I think like numerous players and I, I don't want to, I don't have the article in front of me and I'm really bad at remembering specifics, but it, it could have been like four to eight players are done for the rest of the season due to injury. Uh, like guys getting cross-checked to the face, bad news. I think they had six or seven fights in the first five minutes of the game. Right. And the, I don't know which team it was. Anyways, one of the coaching staff and the president of this hockey club made an announcement and they spoke out against the player safety commissioner for the NHL. They got fired and they got, the team got a $250,000 fine. The guy who is the player safety commissioner for the NHL scored one goal in the NHL and he was an enforcer, like a third, fourth line enforcer. He was the goon. <laughs> and, he, yeah. and you say, Hey, this guy's doing a bad job. And literally guys are in the hospital, broken things. Their season is over. So, you know, a legitimate, it's not just saying he's calling a bad game. He doesn't like me. So he's calling penalties against me. He's like, no, we've actually got physical injury here from fights, from cross checks to the face. This is what, you know, it's like the referee in a boxing ring. You know, if one guy's down for the count, his job is to make sure the other guy just doesn't sit over top of him and keep punching him until he's a bloody sack of noodles, you know? Unless it's UFC and one of the players talked crap about the referee beforehand yeah. a lot, like they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And now that guy is getting his face pummeled in or her face pummeled in, and they just let it happen, and then Dana White fires you afterwards. Yeah. Not that that's an actual thing. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's just it's just funny. It's this thing is like, wow, this this cancel culture is everywhere. And I'm not a fan of the NHL. Um, I do not like Gary Bettman. I think he's uh, he is so shady, Ugh, crookeder than a dog's hind leg. And and I don't know. I'm just not a fan of NHL hockey. I don't think it's a good, you know. And and it's been happening for us a long time. You would never know probably who Don Cherry is, but he's a color commentator for hockey. One of the one of the iconic faces in hockey in Canada. National treasure, beloved man. Well, a lot of people hate him, but tons of people love him. 
and he made an announcement. We're coming up to Remembrance Day, and he's he's very pro-veteran, you know, remember our veterans, we need to treat them. And he said, he literally said this, he goes, you people, you people that don't wear poppies, he goes, you people need to learn what they did for you. You people need to have gratitude for the country you're living in because the only reason for that was because of veterans. They fought for you and you people need to wear poppies and shame on you people if you don't. They fired him. Like just, just boom. you people. You people. No And he wasn't talking anything. about any race. Yeah. He was talking about people who don't appreciate veterans. Yeah. And you know what people said? You people, he's talking about minorities and immigrants. It's like, where do, where no, do you get that not. from? Where do you get that from? If I call... See, if I go, okay, you're immigrants, there's a group of people that are immigrants. <gasps> now I called them a group of people. That's racist. And if I don't say immigrants, I'll say there's a group of new Canadians. <gasps> That's racist. You called us a group. You called us a group. You said you people. You over there. Oh, he hates me. Oh, boy. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, I didn't say that. But yes, I do hate you. Yeah. Now go away. Yeah. Can't get all around I didn't hate you now. when I said it. But now that you're cancel culture, yeah, I hate you. Yeah. You know, I was telling the kids too, I said that the thing people don't realize with this cancel culture is they end up making everything irrelevant and insignificant. Like if, if it goes on all the time and if you can't call anybody say, Hey, this guy's doing a bad job, right? If you can't call people out, like in this situation, the NHL, I believe they should have, they, they lost a lot of good players. It was a violent, like hockey. I'm all for fighting in hockey, but in a certain sense, and if you grow up with hockey, you know, if your team's down by a couple of goals and they've got no energy, captain goes in, gets in a fight, fisticuffs, many hockey fights end with a handshake. They call them violent gentlemen, right? And it's like, oh, right on, thanks. They'll give each other, literally, you see them give each other a pat on the back and a quick hug, and they both agree to the fight, and it gets the, the teams riled up. Now, there are a few times when they do it out of retaliation, you know, if there's a dirty hit, and he's like, sorry, dude, you can't, you can't charge my goalie like that, and they drop the gloves. Good, Right. It's truth and consequence. If you do this, this is going to happen. But when it gets to the point where they're cross-checking to the face, that's a cheap shot, right? And you should be able to say, this commissioner isn't doing a good job. And these games have been escalating continually. And when you say, oh, he's not doing a good job, he's going to get out of control, now he's fired. So now nobody's going to speak out. And then the whole thing is like, wow, we, we really are going to get to the point where we're, we're paralyzed, we're handcuffed, we can't look at anything, we can't say anything, we can't do anything. Because if you do something, you're going to get canceled. And it's just, I wish people would realize it. I'm just sitting back watching it all because, frankly, I don't give a crap. But um, I was like, wow, how, how insignificant and useless will our entire culture become? Because that's the only road we're headed to is pure uselessness and pure insignificance. And that's why it's the people who can't. What do you want to be when you grow up? An astronaut. It's those people that can't accept the fact that you're going to be a great doctor, but you can't be an astronaut because you're not smart in that direction, right? Mm-hmm. But you're smart as a doctor. Oh, no, I wouldn't be a man. It's mm-hmm. those crybaby bitches in the cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Um, those were the kids that, that's, that were That's screening. all it is. Yeah. And that's, I mean, boil it all down. That's what it is. They're using... An alleged good cause, you know, stopping hate, um, and just twisting it, bastardizing it into something it's not supposed to be, and sorry, yeah. you're not going to be an astronaut. Yeah. Sorry, 
um, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And part of cancel culture is this subgroup that says, oh, you're misappropriating culture. You can't, you're white. You can't wear the African gown. Well, you know what else is cancel culture? You know what else is um, cultural misappropriation? Black Superman. Black Batman. Yeah. You create your own effing superheroes. Don't misappropriate 100-year-old superheroes because you don't want them to be strong white men. Yeah. Um, to all you people that do that, I, I say, suck it. Yeah. And, and you know what, you know, the, the people that are doing the cancel culturing, those were the kids, you know, you go back to their childhood. They were the ones that were laying on the floor in the candy at the checkout aisle, the grocery store. I want a chocolate bar. Like, no, honey, you're not getting one. And they're the ones sitting down crying and kicking their legs until their mommy either buys them one or their mommy drags them out by their heels because they can't walk all of a sudden. Those were the kids. The kids that didn't understand no means no. You can't have this today. You know, I said no, that means no, stop it. You know, you don't always get your way in life. And these kids were raised to get their own little way. And now if somebody says, you people, or if somebody says he's not doing his job, he's like, (laughs) he's still on the floor of the supermarket as a grown man firing people. It's crazy. When I was young, in middle school, going into high school, going from grade 8 and 9 into 10, 11, 12, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a baseball player, a wrestler. Uh, I wanted to play football. I wanted to play basketball. And I absolutely loved basketball and football. Loved it. As an adult, at 18 years old, I was 5'7". 99 pounds. I'm not going to be a football player. I'm not going to be a basketball player. Not Mm going to happen. Yeah. So I looked for things I was good at that I could still enjoy. And that was working with my hands, working with my brain. Mm -hmm. And I am so happy I did it. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want to wind up as a broken down used car salesman, like ex-athletes, wannabes, instead of, um, you know, yeah, a genius yeah. trying to take over the world one podcast at a time. Yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> my, my dad always tells me, and I, I tell this to my kids, and it's brutal, but this, I, I guess this is one of the models I live by, and it affects this area only. Uh, life sucks, then you die, right? Is it fair? Nope. Is it just? Nope. Do I get what I want? Nope. And if you could have a happy life, and I tell my kids this, every time I'm like, well, that's not fair. It's like, yeah, life sucks and then you die. And obviously there's more to it than that. But I have come to a point in my life where I truly believe that. And in spite of that, I enjoy living. I enjoy my life. I enjoy the things I do. I get to go find things that I like. And it doesn't matter what I do. Life sucks and then you die. And oh my God, you have taken that philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. That you have... Um, learned over time and you have carved out an amazing life for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a wonderful wife, wonderful kids, wonderful home. Um, sure. You had issues with your builder, but that's part of life sucks, right? Yeah. We still have but, issues with our builder, <laughs> but the house. you know, 
look at what's in that home. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, like, it's just a enormous roof for an amazing Shirley collection. That's right. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's, it's true. Like, so the other day I was having a bath and draining it. And all of a sudden I heard dripping that I've never heard before. And something now, so we've got one of these, uh, like service mount tubs. It's not clawfoot, but it's service mount tub. And the boy's bedroom is underneath it. So it's a finished ceiling. And I go down there, I look up, sure enough, water leaked a bit. Not a lot, just enough to put a few little discoloration spots. Oh, that uh, sucks. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? My, my builder was crooked, dirty, uh, very, very unintelligent. He's half retarded. But, um, and, and the plumbers, I was impressed by their work ethic because they would get here at five o'clock in the morning and go, right? But I'm like, you know, they they also didn't really check things over very well. And there's been a lot of plumbing issues in here. And I'm not a plumber, but you, it doesn't take a lot to be a plumber. If You know, if there's codes and things you got to figure out and regulations you got to comply with, yeah, that's what they learn in school. But crap runs downhill, never lick your fingers, payday's on Friday, and any a-hole could be your next customer. <laughs> right? There's and screw the framer and screw the electrician. I'm cutting holes through these two by four. Yeah. But, um, and, and so now it's like, I've got a, I'm looking at buying like a video camera so I can, I can only lift the tub up so much and it might come to the point where I have to cut an access panel in the boy's ceiling. And so I'm trying to find one that's sized and like a nice plastic thing I can put in there. But you know what? That's one of these things, life sucks and then you die. But you know what? I have to go fix this thing. They did it incorrectly, but I'm still kind of a lucky guy to have a tub that I can sit into. I put a picture, I actually took it down on Instagram, but I had these drill powered pump and I needed my bath. Like I went out for a bike ride, I was cold and I needed my bath. And so I filled up my bathtub and then I couldn't drain it. So I just emptied with a drill powered pump into the sink and drained it that way. And I'm like, you know, the attitude, life sucks, then you die. Yeah, no, this isn't necessarily right. I paid for a house. I shouldn't have these problems yet, but cool. I'm I'm still lucky. And if I were to dwell on that and, and if I were to have the attitude like life sucks and then you die or what it's not fair. Uh, I'd be sitting there whining and sniveling and, and feeling sorry for myself, but I just go like, Yep, life sucks, then you die. Next. And and that's my attitude. I'm optimistic, I love it, it's not fair. And your whole life, it's never gonna be fair, it's never gonna be easy, it's never gonna be just cool. Let's go. I, I want to have a t- I want to have a tub, so I'm gonna use a drill press, or I want to go for a bike ride. You know, it's like uh, people somehow th- seem to think that uh, they're so weak that they are so fragile that something not going perfect should be enough to stop them, or should be enough to change their attitude or their trajectory. It's like, yeah, yeah, get in a car accident. I'm still alive. You're still alive. We both totaled our cars. Sweet, what an awesome day. You know. I kind of like what Jocko says, you know, that, oh, what, the, the enemy's coming up, they got you attacked, you got nowhere to run? Good, right? That's the attitude you have to take if you want to be a useful human being because nothing's easy. And, and we've gotten so soft, so like this guy didn't do his job because we've got multiple high-level athletes that wound up in the hospital due to violence on the ice. <gasps> you're fired and you're fined. <laughs> he said something bad about me. Oh, that guy doesn't understand the concept of life sucks, then you die. And I will say, without a shadow of a doubt, life is awesome. I love it. I know it sounds morbid and it sounds terrible, but that's the philosophy I tell myself every single day. Life sucks, then you die. Sweet. Let's have some fun. You know? 
when a circumstance arises, whether it be an emergency or you win the lottery, you deal with it and you move on. Yep. Um, you know, uh, a guy I didn't like, but he's one of the smartest people I've ever known. He's had some moral issues. Um, he said, he's the first person that taught me, you do one thing, you do it well, you move on. Mm-hmm. Until you have to multitask in an emergency. Mm-hmm. But if you do one thing, you do it well enough, then you can do those things well while you're juggling them. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Yeah. You can't just go, walk into a tornado and think you're going to control it. Yeah. Nope. You have to, you know, move, work up to that. Yeah. And he said one day, one day there'll be an emergency and later you'll find yourself going, oh, wow, I didn't panic. I didn't run around with my, like a chicken with my head cut off. I handled it the best I could and moved on. Yeah. And the first time that happened to me was in a war zone and I was like, cool. No mm-hmm. one, no one, I didn't panic and no one died mm-hmm. on our side. Yeah. Good going. Yeah. And then it happened during an earthquake and I'm like, you know, now's the time to actually panic, but I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Self-discipline, being hard on yourself. My dad always used to say, if you're hard on yourself, life will be easy on you. And if you're easy on yourself, life will be hard on you. And hey, that's absolutely perfect. Nothing truer than that in today's day and age. But speaking of being hard on yourself, uh, you know, in, in Canada, it's cold all the time, but we do get a little bit warm in the summer. And uh, we're getting air conditioning installed today. But I, I think that guy is, I, I think he's waiting at my gate. Okay, cool. But uh, we're just talking about Good self-discipline, you, being tough. I'm, I'm putting air conditioning as a Canadian. People are like, you don't need AC. It's like, I feel like I do. <laughs> well, you know, some parts of Canada get brutally cold and brutally hot. Yeah, we get both. You know. Yeah. And the way this house is set up, it's it's hot in the summertime. And we got multiple people in our homes with allergies, so we're hoping that'll help out. We can keep the Oh, no, I remember Great Falls, Montana, man. You know, 30 degrees below zero in the winter, if you're lucky. Yeah. You know, 100 degrees in the summer, if you're not lucky. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right on. Well, I got to run, but Todd, so good talking to you. I missed our chat last week. I'm glad we could do it this week. Absolutely. I missed it. I'm sorry. I... I wish we could have recorded it some other time, but um, we both got lives. That's true. That's true. Well, okay. You have a life. I pretend. (laughs) No, you got stuff to do. You got stuff to do. (laughs) Right on. We have a good week. You too, man. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, Share it with your friends uh, or or give it to your enemies to torture them with. That's right. (laughs) It'd be good for that. Yeah. Either way, we win. That's right. All right, we'll talk to you later. We'll talk to you next week.